This episode is powered by Tom DeLeo Day Financial Planning Services. On today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. Hey, everyone. <laughs> All right. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sin kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. God made you, boo, you know he showed out. Mahogany enchantress, blessings overflow now. Picture of success, seductive silhouettes on a spiritual quest. Manifest and be blessed. Mother, sister, auntie, tribe of Ashanti. Rocking your locks, I got a close crop blondie. The curse and the gift uplift, apply pressure. Nothing like a black girl getting a shift together. Nothing like a black girl getting a shift together. Nothing like a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together, man. Man, these black girls are getting they shift together, man. These black girls are getting they shift together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. This is a podcast all about mental health and wellness and everything advocacy for our people. And each week, I promise to deliver relevant topics that affect us because, you know, we can relate to each other in a certain way that only we get. So um, just a couple of housekeeping notes. Make sure and check out uh, www.blackgirlsgettingtheirshifttogether.com so you can check out all the packages that I have as well as the digital merchandise and some merch as you see I have right here but we're gonna get right into it today is a bonus episode I know you all usually are watching me on Wednesday nights, but we decided to do an impromptu bonus today. So thank you all for tuning in. Make sure and tune in next week because I have my shadow work coach, Cody Knox, is coming on. And with the holidays coming up, 
We're going to be talking about holding boundaries with toxic ass family members as Bernadette is. <laughs> you feel me? And then on the 17th, I have a fun show. I can't announce it right yet. And then we have therapist Nicholas Wright. And then I'm going on hiatus until season four, which will start January 2022. Now that all that's over with, we're going to get started with today's episode. I have my lovely, beautiful guest, Bernadette. How are you, Bernadette? I am good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I um, You know, I'm off today and mm-hmm. it's beautiful here in Georgia. I think I'm going to ride my bike after we talk. Like, yeah. That sounds good. I know. It's sunny. I'm looking outside now. How's your day been going? It's actually been rainy here. I live in New York. It's rainy, but it's not cold. So I'm really happy about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It looks like your your hair is popping too. What mm-hmm. you got going on yeah. over there? Yeah, I got I got my locks here, my little very chunky locks, and I'm like, let me give her a little up and down. Let me give you know, put a little razzle dazzle on it. So yeah, you know, I had to come on show representing a little bit. You know, <laughs> I love it. Yes, we got the lock sisters on That's here right it. now, right? <laughs> Matter of fact, when I was getting my hair done this morning mm-hmm. and I told my hairdresser I gotta go I said I got impromptu bonus and um I showed her your picture and she was instantly impressed because all she saw was your locks first mm. <laughs> she wasn't even looking at the Instagram <laughs> <laughs> anyway so um my motivation for this topic today everyone is because um we've all been in relationships and I'm sure we've all had failed relationships. And so this comes from a place because if I would have known back then what I know now, I would have had several successful relationships and Bernadette comes with it. You need to go on her Mm -hmm. Instagram. And um, I posted all of that in the show notes, Bernadette. Mm -hmm. Everybody can get in touch with you with all your links. Oh, yeah, it, it will be directly linked. And so, um, anyways, her prenup, her emotional prenup is what caught me because even though she says on her Instagram, if you're about to get married, but you have to be a couple in dating before you get to the marriage part. And that instantly made my antennas go off. And I said, yep, I'm going to ask her. And then I loved your vibe when we were on Erica's show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm feeling that everybody was so awesome. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I reached out to you because that was very, it was interesting. So that's what today's topic is going to be about emotional prenups. So um, before we talk about that, hey, what the fuck? He said, emotional pre prenup, let me learn something. <laughs> Get your pet. Thank you for tuning in. He's uh, tuning in from Germany. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. You need to look him up. He's handsome, too. He's is handsome he? Okay. Man. Yeah, he's, I think he is. He's a real good looking guy. So, yes, emotional prenup. So, if you can, before we get into that, can you go into um, what unhealthy, communication styles look like mm-hmm. so that it can be familiar with a lot of us because a lot of us live it and then we'll slide right into what the emotional prenup is. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, for me, the way I have always experienced emotional unavailability, that to me is, is the number one thing in yeah. unhealthy relationships. And so a lot of my work is around identifying what emotionally unavailable people look like. Mm-hmm. and um, how we cannot be that way ourselves. And I feel like the the first thing that we really need to discuss is how we show up in relationships. Because a lot of what I think we don't understand is that the way we show up gives people who we're in relationship with the license to you know either mimic that or show up with that or even just match our energy. You know what I mean? So right. it's like, if we ourselves are emotionally unavailable and we do not understand even what we're thinking about enough to express it, right? If we don't understand what's been going on with us and why, or why we might, you know, not show up in the way that we actually want to be seen, then what we're projecting to others is going to be that kind of energy. And when we're in relationship with people, they're kind of feeding off of us. It's like, you know, a give and take, it's an ebb and flow. And a lot of what we are experiencing internally is what we're going to project outwardly. It's what we're going to attract and it's what's familiar to us. So So, may I ask you a question? Can you explain to the listeners your definition of what emotionally unavailable uh, availability looks like? Absolutely. So emotionally unavailable people have a hard time um, expressing big emotions. They have a hard time sitting with other people who are expressing big emotions. They also, they usually are not able to articulate themselves well in terms of how they're feeling. And a lot of it is because they don't sit with their feelings. They don't understand how to even give name to what might be going on inside of them. And a lot of people also are really just almost shocked and intimidated by someone feeling love for them, feeling expressions of joy, feeling Mm -hmm. anger, all of these different things. And usually emotionally unavailable people, their emotions are muted. And so it's a lot of it is where because of what they may have gone through when they were younger, some kind of traumatic experience. For me, it was being fatherless. That caused me to create the kind of defense mechanism in my mind where I did not want to think about why my father wasn't there. Mm. And so I put those things away in a box in the recesses of my mind, never to be seen and heard from again, because I just did not want to deal with any of that. Now, was your father, excuse me, was your father physically in the home? He wasn't. He actually, I grew up in New York and Brooklyn and my father lived in Boston and it was about maybe a three hours drive. He could come and see me anytime he wanted to and he just chose not to. So for me, I internalized that to be that something had to be wrong with me, that he did not want to be in my life in that way. Right. And when I was younger, I didn't understand how to process that. All I knew was that I felt that it was my fault. And if I kept thinking about and harping on the fact that something about me is causing my father not to be there, I would have been a basket case. I would have probably, you know, like been suicidal, all these different things, all of the different emotions that come along with me feeling like something was wrong with me at a young age and not understanding what it was. I could not deal with that. 
Mm. But what my brain did was it decided that it was going to put those kinds of emotions and all of that in a box in the back of my mind so that I could function every day without having this like overwhelming thought of like, why am I not worthy? Why don't I have any value? And all of those negative thoughts on me. Right. And so what ended up happening as a result of that is that our minds really does like to make connections between things. And so if it sees that the way in which you deal with something is that you don't want to deal with it, like this is too much for me to deal with. I can't handle this big emotion right now. I need to put this someplace until I have the capacity to deal with it. Anytime you have big emotions, whether they are positive or negative, your brain is going to tell your body to handle it the exact same way. Mm. Your brain is all about making connections and figuring out a formula to something that it can put on rinse and repeat. It is not Ooh. trying to sit up there Ooh. and try to figure out what is a new response to every single thing that happens because our brains is a computer and computers you put in the code and it works the way it's supposed to work all the time. And that's it. And our brains work the same way. So mm. for me, because I needed to not think about all of those things in terms of my father, what ended up happening is that I did not experience joy in any kind of real way growing up either. Is this and in general or just with relationships? In general, in general, this is a, a general topic. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to drill down to relationships, but I want you to get the, the understanding of what it's like to be emotionally unavailable, like right. in a 360 view. So whenever we are not able to process our emotions negatively or positively, your brain picks up on what you actually do. And for me, it was to ignore it. And so because I ignored it, because I needed to put it away, I didn't want to think about it. It was just too much for me. Now, if I'm in an experience where something is like really joyful, I really love it. I'm not feeling that joy at full capacity. Either. It's not coming at me full throttle the way it would if I was fully experiencing all of my feelings. Right. And so that also is a part of being emotionally unavailable. It's just being numb to feelings across the board, both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that. And what they end up doing is trying to thrill seek positive emotions because what you think you're going to feel when you're in a situation <laughs> like, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm with my girls. You know, like we're having a good time. Everyone is kicking up and laughing it up. And you're sitting up there like, you know, like this is great and all, but I'm not feeling what I should be feeling right now. Like, I don't feel like the emotion that I should have right now. It's because your brain has said she can only handle about 25% of this big emotion, even though it's positive. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to feed her. The rest of it is going to be on the back burner to when she has the capacity for all of it. And Ooh. so now you're sitting up there thrill-seeking every emotion that you want to feel. And a lot of it looks like you going shopping, you know, because you know that you get that boost when you're shopping, you know, oh, I got a sale today. A lot of it looks like medicating with um, stereo relationships, like going from relationship to relationship because you're just not getting that feeling that you want. And it's like the, the beginning part of the relationship really feels good. You got the butterflies, everything is new and exciting. But as soon as things calm down, it's like, oh, this is boring. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't have this feeling anymore. This must mean like, you know, we're not connecting I got to go find that thrill again. 
Some people do this with sex. Some people mm-hmm. do this with alcohol. Some people medicate themselves with ministry, going from, from ministry lead to ministry lead in the church. I'm about to do all the things. I'm about to wear all the hats because I want everybody to need me and want me. And that is how they get their fix. Meanwhile, the things that are going on inside of you, the stuff that you really need to be dealing with, mm-hmm. is still left in that box that you put in there 15, 20 years ago. You haven't yet dealt with it, and you don't understand why your life is going in this kind of cycle. So that's what it's like to have a emotionally stunted view or mm-hmm. even to be emotionally unavailable. It's not just the bad stuff. You know... If we can go back a little, you are giving me chills up and down my arm. You are speaking my life. And if anyone, if anything that Bernadette is saying is resonating with you, drop your emoji, your light bulb emojis right now. Cause I can't do it. If somebody do it for me, please. Cause <laughs> I can't do it while I'm doing all the back end stuff. So I asked you if your father was physically in the house, because mm-hmm. I want people to see the um, similarities that the father can be in or out of the house. So with me, my father was physically present, but he was emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't get it until going to therapy that the dad can be in the house and it still be the same experience that you had. right? Right. And so when I started out on this self-discovery, you know, and learning and, you know, my self-mastery. And I remember people saying, well, your father, you grew up with a two household family. So what are you talking about? But I still knew something innate wasn't right. It just Mm -hmm. didn't feel right. It goes back to that intuition, spidey senses, energy, whatever you want to call it. People know you, you have that feeling. So I went through this whole time being secondary gas lit. (laughs) Well, you know, we have a two parent home. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm living an aligned life just like you and probably several people in the chat right now. Yeah. And so even though I did not, um, I was emotionally numb in a different way. It still looked, it looked different, but it was still the same. Mm-hmm. So how uh, you said that you were suppressed, I was on the total opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you listen to some of my podcasts and I'll tell people like, yeah, I was living pretty reckless. Mm-hmm. I mean, some things I'm not going to say, but right. what right. I can say is that I've been, I've, I've lived recklessly, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, like you, you name it. It mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah. yeah. And I and I get that. And honestly, like I completely understand that. And I talk about that too. I'm pretty transparent about my story um, because I was living recklessly too. And a See? lot of it was because I was I was trying to fill a void. And I was like, you know, on a mission to figure out, well, what is this thing that I need to put here? Well, let's just try all the things. Let's, you know, let's just get on out here and see right. what we can do. You know what I mean? And May I read see, some like, of the comments? I get. Of course. Yeah, you're getting a lot. <laughs> so um, let's see, where do I start? So what the funk? He said, um, emotionally pre emotional prenup, let me learn something. And oh, Erica, she's my co-host. 
with dope uh talking dope shift she mm. said good afternoon the lovely patrice she was on wednesday but let's see nikki Pooh, hello all right this is what we want so what the funk said damn that is a trait many of us grow up feeling mm-hmm that void. I'm sure that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Erica said, this is some good stuff. Hey, Tashara. She said, hello to you, Bernadette. Hey. And Erica said, thrill seeking. Woof. You know what? I'm going to be transparent. I'm not going to say what. I don't think I was, how many times I could have been arrested, unalived. <laughs> I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Like, I... But it was that thrill seeking and it was never enough. And then when I was able to literally slide through and get over on the other side. Okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. 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 It's a drug. It's yeah. a drug. And what the funk said, and most of us simply think or we're told all men are horrible. Exactly. And not emotionally involved as fathers. Then later as we grow older a lot of us learn the lies mothers told by telling her side mm, mm. that that there's something to be said there there's there's definitely something to be said there i feel mm-hmm. like there are a lot of situations where mothers do weaponize the relationship with their children in order to um, get a reaction out of the father. And I do not think that that's right at all because it's all horrible. that's doing is horrible. Yeah, but all that's abuse. It is. It's creating these kinds of situations in their children where they have these issues that they then need to go to therapy for, or they have to heal from. There's so much that goes along with that, that I don't think that women who do this understand. They don't understand the ramifications of these Mm -hmm. kinds of actions. They think that, you know what, that it's supposed to be almost a pay to play situation. And that's not the case because your children are people who are going to grow up having so many identity issues, so many hurts that they have to get over when we do things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I really wish that parents wouldn't do this. I really do. Uh, story time. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a story. We'll call him John Doe. And John Doe, he has a daughter. This is a true story. He has a daughter. He's divorced. And the mother, she was so emotionally unavailable. And because they were divorced or newly divorced, she used their child as a pawn. And he would always wonder why was his daughter always so standoffish to him? That's because she was peppering her ears with all this negativity about John Doe. So then I guess to play with him, she said, well, I want you to come see your daughter. You know, there's some play or something. So John drove all the way from Georgia to Texas. She left. She decided at the last minute that she wanted to go to Disneyland. So then she went to Florida. You see what I mean? Yeah. And then lied to the daughter. So now... In turn, now she is probably 18. Now she has daddy issues, but it wasn't. It didn't have to be that way. Did not have to be that way. And you know what? I gotta go see you. And and you know what? I 
have seen a lot is that women who do this typically have not had their fathers in their lives. And so they do not understand the importance of mm-hmm. having a father in their life because a lot of them are like, my father wasn't there and I grew up fine and nothing is wrong with me. And this mm-hmm. is because they have not yet met themselves in terms of what has actually been happening, how they've shown up and the fact that they continue to have these same um, cycles of relationships that they don't want mm-hmm. when all the while what they're yearning for is to be deeply seen, deeply understood, loved and supported and not realizing that what they are doing and what they give off is really attracting the opposite. So these women- Can you explain that? Of course, mm-hmm. whenever whenever we show up as a representative of who we are and not as our most authentic self, what ends up happening is that the people who we are attracting, number one, they're attracted to, to what we give off. And many people, when they're not self-aware, are giving off emotional unavailability energy. They're giving off, you know, like, I have a wall up and you have to work in order to get around it or to get me to put this down or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of people are not self-aware enough to know that if something happens that is upsetting to them, instead of saying what happened really upset me because of A, B, and C, they will shut down, they will lash out, they will have some kind of fear-based response that ends up confusing the person, that Mm. ends up not communicating what they really wanted to say. And all it is, is creating a spiral. So now this person is now thinking to themselves, okay, I don't know exactly what happened here, but, you know, let me try not to do this thing again. And there isn't any real understanding about what happened. And so if it does happen again now, you're bracing for impact because you know the person is going to be triggered and they're going to respond in some kind of triggering way, but they're not really letting you know exactly why they felt the way that they did. So mm. now a lot of it is, okay, um, I understand that this person does it like this, but I don't know why. And people tend to continue to do things when they don't have any clarity around what mm-hmm. has actually happened there. And so whenever we're, we don't have this kind of self-awareness and we haven't done the work of like healing from the things that has really hurt us growing up, we are typically emotionally unavailable. We have developed mm. coping and defense mechanisms that we bring into relationships. <clears throat> a lot of us have learned that we need to be a certain kind of way to be likable, to be um, to belong in order to, you know, not be abandoned and things like this. And this is all, you know, the fears that fatherless daughters have. People mm. who have with childhood trauma always have a fear of being left behind, not belonging, not being liked, and things of that nature, rejection and stuff like that. And so we tend to learn what version of myself do I need to be that's going to be most palatable for the people that I want to stay connected to. And in doing that, we're not showing who we really are. Mm -hmm. We don't feel like we can be vulnerable enough to say, this is where I hurt and this is what's going on with me. And, you know, I want to bring you in on this because I want to be connected to you and stuff like that. Vulnerability feels very sickening. It feels very hard. It feels very exposing. And when you are not the kind of person that is used to those feelings, when you're not the kind of person that is able to really tap into that and understand that doing that is going to bring you the kind of closeness that you wanted in relationships, you're typically putting up walls and those walls are not going to bring you what you want. 
Mm. So just in terms of, you know, a fatherless daughter who may be raising a daughter, if she does not know what it's like to feel protected by her father or even by a father figure to be covered by them emotionally, physically, mentally, then she doesn't understand that that is important for her daughter. And a lot of that, you see that same cycle happening with women who did not have their father in the home and feeling like they grew up well and like, I made it, I'm fine. And so my daughter does not need to have her father in her life if he's not going to do what I need him to do in order for him to get this prize of being in his daughter's life. It is a oh. cycle. It's a cycle. I'm so triggered right now. Oh my God. Oh, this is something else. You know, can you can you explain what a big emotion could be or a small one? Because I want people to realize that it doesn't always have to be a huge blowout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it really doesn't yeah. like underlying something on the underbelly. Yeah. If you're not, like you said, self-aware, it can go right by you but your body still feels it what's that book yes. uh, the body keeps the score yes yeah by what is it bestel van Kolk or him mm. yeah yeah so from big emotions um both positive and negative can look like you um feeling like all right so you went on a first date I'll, I'll give a scenario. You go on a first date with somebody and um, you feel like at the end of the conversation that this person really deeply knows you. Like you guys are finishing each other's sentences. The person seems to understand you like at your core. And this is not something that you have ever experienced in your life. That feeling of being deeply seen by someone is a big emotion. A lot of us don't mm -hmm. feel that way. Because we put on the persona of the person that we feel is going to be most acceptable to people. So Mirroring. when somebody is able to, Ugh. someone is able to like see what we're putting on and kind of get around that and be like, you know, like speak to you in such a way that you know that they see past that mask that you've put on. That right there is both alarming, surprising, and thrilling. And so when somebody is able to see you that deeply so quickly, those kind of people are the people that you want to be around. It's almost intoxicating to be around somebody who sees you so deeply, especially when you have tried to put your best foot forward. And it's almost like they saw right around that. And they're like, you know, I can see that this is who you are. And they speak almost like verbatim the thoughts that you have in your mind and how you feel in your heart and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's a big emotion. It doesn't come very often, but when it does, it's very jarring to our system. So that would be a big emotion. Mm. Let's say your friends took you out to dinner and they're like, okay, I got to go back to my house really quickly and change my shoes because if we're going to go out drinking tonight, I can't be wearing these high heels. I'm already feeling like, you know, I'm not going to make it throughout the night. Come upstairs, you know, we'll, you know, get a drink or a pregame or something like that before we head to the club or whatever. And as soon as you go inside of the house, it's like, surprise, all of your friends and family there because they surprised you with a, with a surprise birthday party. All your loved ones are there. The cake is there. You know, it's a party. Everything is going on. And you're like, wow, like 
you really went through all of this trouble, that feeling that you have of being surprised. And then also when you think about like the trouble that somebody went through to really do something like this for you and now feeling like, wow, like they really thought about me enough to plan something to this extent that those feelings that you have around that, those Mm -hmm. are big emotions. Mm. When you're in a relationship and something happens and somebody says something really, really mean to you, and it hits you at this place in your heart that brings you back to something that happened at childhood, and you don't know how to articulate it because you already feel vulnerable that that they hit you in a spot that you didn't think that they would find. But they found it. They hit you there and you don't want to let on that this is as painful as it is because you feel like they'll be able to weaponize this again. Like now they got the cheat code on where like how I actually feel about things. That's a big emotion. And when stuff like that happens, we do one of two things. Either we retreat further into ourselves or we open up a little bit more to let the person in. And typically if we do not understand how to feel and how to process those big emotions, mm-hmm. we will retreat more into ourselves. Mm. Mind you, we want to have that deep connection. We That's what we truly yearn for. Yeah, but we're pack we, animals. It's too, yeah, it's too hard. It's almost like it's too overwhelming to have all of that on us at once. Instead, we retreat. We put the wall up a little bit higher. You know, we don't respond right away. We try to keep our facial expressions muted because we don't want people to know that this particular thing hurt us as deeply as it did, or we don't want to have such a big emotion because we're not sure if um, people will be turned off if we really show how excited we are about something or how much we really want something. Like nobody wants to feel rejected. And so it's like, oh, if I tell him how much I really want to be around him, how much I really like him, how much our conversation meant to me because I felt so deeply seen, is he going to reject me? Is he going to think I'm weird? Is he going to back off because it's like, whoa, like you're doing too much. All of these things, like that's how we typically deal with it. And it's really just a spectrum of what emotional unavailability looks like. But that's it in a nutshell. That's huge. That is so huge. And you think about how many masks you have to put on mm-hmm. and the mirroring that takes place yeah. just to be accepted. And it's really not even, I don't think it has anything to do with the the current relationship. It's back there. <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, may I read a couple of, com- like the comments are of coming course. in. I apologize, everyone. Oh, and if anyone has any questions for Bernadette, respectfully <laughs> put them in the comments. You, you know, well, yeah, I have to say that because one time I opened up the line and I opened up the stream and this man came on, you know, these are new glasses. I didn't mm-hmm. have my glasses. And when I brought him on screen, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was oh, naked. Boy. Oh, no. <laughs> A big one in his hand. Oh, I was wow. like, what is going on? And yeah. So that's where the respectfully part. <laughs> I did look at it for a minute before I took it off, but <laughs> okay. Dope discussion. She said some people get addicted to achieving the next goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 
a fact right there. And Adrian, hey, Adrian, Adrian said, don't F your feelings, trust your feelings. Mm. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And Patrice said, rather uh, you grew up in a two parent household or not, you can still suffer from emotional prenup syndrome. It affects all of us differently, whether we admit it or not. And um, Erica, she said many times it creates resentment towards the mother and the child puts the absent parent on a pedestal. Mm, that is the other side of it. Yeah, that's definitely the other side of it. You want to go into that a little bit? I'm triggered, right? I'm yeah, so triggered. I can. Honestly, like I, <laughs> it's funny because I speak, I've spoken to a lot of men who are in this position where the mother of their children has used the kids against them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have this stance where they're like, you know what? I'm just going to wait until she gets old enough to be able to communicate with me on her own. Like when she has her own cell phone and, you know, she's in junior high school or high school and she's walking to school on herself or whatever it is, I'm going to be able to then at least have an opening to be able to have a conversation to let them know that I was here, but this is what has happened. And so whenever we have a situation where the child gets to understand that the mom was using them in order to get to the father, um, you know, Erica is right. Like there definitely is resentment there. There's a lot of resentment there. And Sometimes it's not so much that the father is put on the pedestal. What I have found is that the child will feel like, well, you should have tried harder. Sometimes I I hear that a lot. You know what I mean? Like, well, why didn't you try harder? Why didn't you go to court? Why didn't you really fight for me? And Mm. that is what I'm hearing. And I'm just like, that kind of thing really, really breaks my heart because sometimes it, it still breeds the same for joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. Just for the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and Buddha walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. 2020 has proved that we must be prepared for the unexpected, which is why you should contact an Edward Jones financial advisor like Tom DeLeo Day. Contact him at 770-466-0031 to schedule an appointment. Tell him Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together sent you.